Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball. 52 weeks out of the year, there is no off-season. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on a beautiful first day of June 2018 from the Sully Baseball Studios in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Hey, I mercifully fell asleep kind of early last night. I wasn't feeling well. And I, I, you know, this is Sully Baseball, so I'm not going to talk long and hard about uh, other sports, but uh, I, I do get into the NBA Finals. I would certainly have loved it if the Celtics had gotten in, because that was my team when I was growing up. Uh, but I am fascinated by LeBron James, especially LeBron James in Cleveland, especially LeBron James this year, because it's basically LeBron, a little bit of Kevin Love, and nobody else. Uh, I'm glad I missed that game, which was an overtime game that apparently regulation ended with an absolutely cataclysmic bonehead play by J.R. Smith that will haunt him for the rest of his days. Absolutely haunt him. I mean, the, the Cavaliers have to win this series in order for him not to be just placed in the, the pantheon of postseason blunders in sport. But an interesting thing happened, and I'm going to connect this to everything else. I'm actually going to connect this to a specific tweet that I got from uh, a favorite person of mine on the, on the interwebs. An interesting thing, and this has a lot to do with, um, with what I talk about a lot, and that is the connection and legacy and the history and identity is as painful as that ending was, especially for Cleveland fans, there is an element of relief that it is not connected with the Cleveland failures of the past. Let me explain what I mean by that. Until the Cavaliers won the NBA title in dramatic fashion, coming back from a 3-1 hole, playing an airtight Game 7 when the, that was down to the final play, that was the first championship that was won for a major Cleveland team in half a century. It remains their only one since Jim Brown was a player on the Browns. And there was a long history of near misses, collapses like... The you know the interception, the end zone against the Raiders, the fumble, the drive for the Broncos and, uh, against the Broncos in back-to-back years, where it looked like the Browns were going to get into the Super Bowl. Obviously, there was the Michael Jordan shot over Elo. There was the Indians losing the '95 and '97 World Series, losing the '97 World Series, where they had the lead in the bottom of the ninth of Game Seven, and Jose Mesa blows the save, and eventually Edgar Renteria singles up the middle. Uh, there was so many, cl- you know, close games of that great Indians team with you know Albert Bell, Carlos Baerga, Kenny Lofton, Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomey. This amazing team. Sandy Alomar Jr. for a while, his brother Roberto Alomar, and they couldn't win the World Series. And then, of course, you had, they, the, the, they lost the Browns. The Browns moved to Baltimore, and they win two Super Bowls as the Ravens, and they get a new expansion team that sucks. Then they're blessed to be given LeBron 
the greatest player in his generation, and they have the decision where the rug is pulled from underneath an entire Cleveland fan base live on national television. They lose, you know, they lose deciding games in in 2001 and in 2007. All of these failures and you know the big loud ones would always be put in a montage of Cleveland failures. It's a point I've made several times that Cleveland's bad luck in sports was so intense that not even the Indians in the movie Major League could win the World Series. And that was fiction. They had a voodoo left fielder, but they couldn't win the World Series. But there's a reason you don't see the shot, the drive, the fumble, the decision... All those things, the, the, the Game 7 against the Marlins. There's a reason you don't see that as a montage at the end of every Cleveland failure. And that is, they won. The Cavaliers won. And therefore, that montage is moot. And if LeBron never does anything else in Cleveland, he's done that. And last night's game, the ending, that would have been... That would have been put onto there. Losing Game 7 of the World Series to the Cubs would have been on there. Losing to the Yankees in last year's playoffs, there would have been added to the montage. That would have all been compounding. And it wasn't because of what happened in 2016. Now they are frustrating losses, but they're not compounding. As a Red Sox fan... You knew it was coming to this. I've seen the Red Sox, you know, the, the, the montages I was inundated with. of Black and white pictures of Ruth, 46 World Series, failure in 48, losing 67 World Series, you know, flopping down the stretch in 72, losing game seven of the Reds in 75, Bucky Dent, Bill Buckner, Aaron Boom, 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 boom. All compounded. Then in 2004, it ended. So when you had the great collapse at the end of 2011, there was no clips of Aaron Boone or Buckner. Because that was over. That was over. And it's no longer a topic. It helps that they've won several more times if the Cavaliers win again. You know, if the Indians had won that World Series, I mean, it would have been Mardi Gras. But you know what? The frustration doesn't compound. It doesn't mix with the past. Now, I got an email from my friend Laura, who is one of the hosts of Resting Pitch Face, which is one of my favorite baseball podcasts. And we did a crossover episode where the the women of Resting Pitch Face were part of a Sully Baseball podcast, and I posted, they posted all this stuff. And Laura's great. Laura's a huge Nats fan. And she wrote this tweet to me. She said, my gym buddy today was Sully Baseball. Hey, that's me yelling about the Brewers. Must have been the podcast I did the other day. Can we please ever have the Nationals come up in conversation without having to mention the NLDS thing? Please. No. Actually, no. Because that's part of their identity. That's part of what's on the line. You can't dictate your team's narrative. You can't. 
The only way it gets altered is when it ends. And that's just the fact. Look it. When the Indians faced off against the Cubs in 2016, the one thing that could have made that, uh, there was only one thing that kept that from being, in my opinion, the most dramatic matchup in World Series history was, was LeBron winning. That sounds bizarre, but if you had the Cubs curse going in 1908 and the entire city of Cleveland hasn't won since 64, facing off in the World Series and that going to Game 7 in extra innings, there just would have been way too much to handle. It would have been too much. Now, there was a little bit of the tension let out of the balloon for Cleveland fans because of the Cavaliers' victory earlier that summer. But the narrative for the Cubs was, well, they haven't won since 08. They hadn't even been to the World Series since 45, and they find a way to blow it. And they had, the minute... Rajay Davis's home run cleared the wall off of uh, Raldis Chapman. It looked like, oh man, the Cubs are finding a way to do it again. And it went to the bottom of the ninth, and there were three batters. Carlos Santana, Jason Kipnis, Francisco Lindor. If one of them hit a home run, we're still talking billy goats. And what happened last in 2016 would have been... Mentioned with Bartman. Mentioned with the Garvey home run and the ball through Leon Durham's legs. Mentioned with the black cat. Mentioned all the failures. It would have been right there. It was a Jason Kipnis drive that hooked foul away from us still talking belly goats. Instead, the Cubs wound up winning. And therefore... Last year, they failed in the postseason against Los Angeles. No matter what happens, no matter how big of a flop they have, it won't be compounded with Bartman and Leon Durham and all the other stories because that narrative is over. Once you break that narrative, that's when people stop talking about it. Is that fair? No, it's not. But nothing about sports is supposed to be fair. You know, I mean, you can still bring up not pitching Steven Strasburg in the 2012 postseason because they didn't advance in 2012. And they're still waiting to advance. I've made this point many times. History has proven, in terms of logic, that Rizzo was correct. He held back Strasburg, and they wound up winning multiple divisions, with Strasburg being a big part in those. He was correct. But they haven't won the whole thing. And until they win the whole thing, you can point to that year and say they had a shot to win it that year. And they didn't. And every year they don't, it compounds. It builds upon each other. And it's awful when it's your team. It sucks when it's your team. The only good thing about that whole time was it got me onto HBO twice. 
and the HBO documentaries I was in. But do you know what? I would say I wouldn't trade that in. You know, I'm glad I was on HBO. But anyway, that's neither here nor is it there. The fact of the matter is, it's going to come up because that's the identity. And in some ways, that's what's on the line. Think of the Houston Astros for a second. Houston Astros had one of the most underrated suffering fan bases in all of baseball. But if you're like my friend Richard Perez and many other Astro fans that I've known, they knew damn well about their history. How they were one swing away from winning the pennant in two straight games in 1980. The fact that they probably would have won the World Series if J.R. Richard didn't have a goddamn stroke. Sorry, Ray. And then the 16-inning game in 1986 and the failures in the postseason throughout the 90s and the 2000s, losing the Game 7 to the Cardinals in 2004, having superior teams in 98 and 2001 and getting bumped in the division series. Their greatest moment was winning the pennant in 1995, and yet that was overshadowed by the fact that the only thing that anyone remembers about the Astros in, sorry, 2005, the only thing anyone remembers about the 2005 Astros is Brad Lidge letting up that home run to Albert Pujols. Talking about the Astros, those are the clips that they showed. They won it last year. That's all gone. I did, even though I was rooting for the L.A. Dodgers in the World Series last year, I mean, I lived right up the street from the 110, I did feel good for Astros fans who had been there through the tough times. And that narrative has now changed. That's what you have to do. The narrative has to be changed. To have people stop talking about it. People don't talk about Francisco Cabrera when they bring up the Pirates anymore. Do you know why? Because the whole reason they brought up Francisco Cabrera was the fact that the Pirates hadn't had a winning season since Cabrera got the hit that clinched the 1992 National League Championship Series. They were played sub-500 ball from 1992 to 2013. That was a whole decade and a half. Nearly 20 years of losing baseball, a whole generation just dreamed of seeing them play 500 ball. And they wound up being a wild card team, getting to the National League Division Series, and they made the postseason three straight years. Did they win the World Series? No, they only got into the Division Series once. But the narrative ended. They played above 500, they got into the postseason. Now, some narratives and thoughts of teams, I mean, you could talk about the Rays. What do people talk about the Rays? No one shows up. Now, I know I've got people who listen to this and follow this who are, who are big Rays fans and who bristle when everyone brings up the attendance for the Tampa Bay Rays. But guess what? When you look around and you see the dump is empty and they have to give out free tickets to a pennant race, yeah, people are going to say, yeah, no one's there. Nobody's there. Of course they're going to bring up the Rays as a team to move. They play in a dump stadium and no one's there. Would anyone care if they move? Yeah, they would. There are a lot of Rays fans. There are. 
They get very good TV ratings. They have a strong following. They don't show up to the games. The stadium's in the wrong place. It's inconvenient. It looks like a dump. So they watch it on television. Or on their device if they figure out how to do that. But the optics of a team in a pennant race and there's tumbleweed blowing through the stadium and it's echoing weird because it's a strange, weird ballpark. Yeah! That's going to be the narrative of the team and it will be until they fill out the dump. That's, I mean, this is just, this is just facts here. This is how you deal with narratives. And the narrative for the Washington Nationals is they're good, but they can't win, they can't get out of the first round of the playoffs, let alone win a World Series. That they are the most insanely talented team of this decade to not win a pennant. I'm more than happy to say that. They should have won the pennant in 2014. They were so much better than the Giants. And Matt Williams had his multiple brain farts. Now, when they lost to the Dodgers in 2016, that was a good matchup. I mean, both those are two evenly matched teams. But again, they were one swing away from winning that. And last year... You know, once again, you had home field and a one-run game in a game five. And, and the way that they lost in 2012, where they had the two-run lead with two outs and two strikes in the top of the ninth and had the absolute meltdown in a year that... Uh, do I think the Nationals would have won that year? I don't know, actually, because the Giants, who wound up winning the World Series that year, were really, really good. But they should have won in 2014. And I think you can make a good case they should have won last year. If they got past the Cubs and faced Los Angeles, I think they would have beaten L.A. I really do. And all it takes to remove this from the conversation is getting to the National League Championship Series. I think winning a pennant in the World Series would put, a rest to, put to rest everything, including resting Strasburg. Suddenly, he'll be a genius. And let me tell you something. I've witnessed firsthand emotionally, obviously the lifting of the Red Sox, the San Francisco Giants were another team. Again, may not have had the national attention for their long-sufferingness, but trust me, Giant fans felt it. The line drive McCovey caught. The fact that they had a team that had McCovey, Orlando Cepeda, Willie Mays, uh, Juan Marichal, Gaylord Perry, filled with Hall of Famers. They could only win one pennant. And they were, you know, the ball that, that uh, Willie McCovey hit was a foot more to the right. It would have gone to right field. The Giants would have won the World Series. They lose in 71 to the Pirates. They lose game seven. Uh, to the Cardinals in 87 National Championship Series. An earthquake. God stopped Game 3 of the World Series, which would have been the Giants' best chance to win. The the pitching matchups in Games 3 and 4 of the 89 World Series favored the Giants. They could have gotten back into that series. Instead, an earthquake hit, and the A's were able to start Dave Stewart and Mike Morgan. The series was over. 
having the, losing the you know all those first round series in '97, in 2000, where they were clearly the best team in the National League, losing Game Seven, losing Game Six of the World Series in 2002, when they had a five run lead, and then losing Game Seven. Losing with J.T. Snow being thrown out at home to clinch the series on the day I got married in 2003. That twice they had the greatest player in the world, Willie Mays and Barry Bonds, and they couldn't win a World Series with them. Giant fans felt it. And knowing that their the rivals down south, the Dodgers, won a pile of World Series, and across the bay, the A's had won four of their own, including one head-to-head against the Giants. And then they lost to the Angels. The rest of California was laughing at them, save for San Diego. So when they finally won the World Series in 2010, it was a great relief because those losses compound. When the weight is lifted, the compounding of failures goes away. Went away for the White Sox fans in 2005. Went away for Angel fans in 2002. You may not think of those teams as cursed, but believe me, they were. Now eventually, the Nationals will win the World Series. Hopefully, it will be with this squad. Because I think this squad, not just because friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle, is part of the team, but this squad deserves a pennant. This squad deserves a world championship. And the fans of Washington deserve it because they haven't had a champion of any kind since the Redskins won the Super Bowl in 1992. Oh, wait! What's going on right now? Is that the Stanley Cup? I think the Capitals are playing. They're playing the Las Vegas Golden Knights. That's right. I think most of us discovered right around April that Las Vegas has a hockey team that's now three wins away from winning the Stanley Cup in their first season. Fans in Canada who haven't seen any of their teams win the Stanley Cup since 1993 must be smashing their heads against the wall knowing that Las Vegas could have a Stanley Cup winner before another Canadian team does. But what if Washington wins? All of a sudden, Washington, with the failures of the Redskins, the failures of the Wizards, the failures of the Nationals, that fan base will have a win. And it takes a little bit of the pressure off of the other franchises because the fans haven't seen the title for all those years. It's been a long time. 1992. Let's use the rule of seven. For those of you who are regular listeners of the Sully Baseball Podcast, you know exactly what the rule of seven is. The rule of seven is, I believe you don't really start following a team until you're right around seven years old. That's when you first start to really know what the teams are, what it means to follow and everything. Well, the city of Washington has not had a championship of any kind for 26 years. And using the rule of seven, anyone 33 years old or younger who's a fan in Washington, has never experienced one of their teams winning. And the Capitals are three wins away from doing that. Much like what the Cavaliers did, took a little bit of that pressure off all the other teams in Cleveland that kept the collapse and the 
Game 7 of the World Series in the 10th inning from being added and compounded to a narrative. I'm sorry, my good friend and big, big Washington Nats fan, Laura, from Resting Pitch Face Podcast. It's going to come up because that's the identity. It sucks, but there's an easy way out of it. And that takes place in October, which is, you know, a few months from now. So go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking about compounding anguish. This has been the Sully Baseball Podcast for the first day of June 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.